and welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Allison Tuttle, a wife and mother and the director of the Palatine Institute. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on A Court of Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. and welcome back to A Quarter Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Today we are recording episode eight of season six. And uh, just again, as a reminder, we are going through the Ten Commandments. So today our focus is the seventh commandment. Yes. We're making good progress on this, Ron. We are. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. Yeah. Although each time we do this, I feel more and more guilty. Same. (laughs) But it's like it hurts so good. The, The conviction. Yeah. So we didn't talk about it last episode much, but just the idea of the rage and the thoughts and the other things. And you just go, oh, man, I'm just always guilty of that. I know. Well, and it's like the one commandment you read and you think, oh, I'm good on this one. I've got this one under control. And then you're like, oh, shoot. Just the amount of times that my brother and I have provoked our other brother. Like, (laughs) that's a lot of murdering. Yes. Sorry, Steve, if you're listening. Okay. (laughs) But now we're we're at the um, this very non-controversial one. Yeah, our culture does not have a problem with this one. <laughs> At all. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Allison, what is the seventh commandment? The seventh commandment is you shall not commit adultery. All right. So I remember in high school, all the conversation would revolve around the fact that you can only commit adultery if you're married, right? Mm. Right? So... That's a clever way to think about it. Yeah. So all the, you know, all these other sins. And I remember a youth pastor going, the name of the sin of, you know, sexual sin outside of marriage is called fornication. And you're not to do that either. Right. Oh. That falls in this that, category. That falls in that category. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, if we talk about the, the, the law of God, the moral law, is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. So we understand that the command, you shall not commit adultery, is this narrow thing that we can unpack. Right. Right. So all the other commandments in Scripture regarding sex and um, and uh, case studies and all this stuff, uh, case laws, all kind of fit under this. Yep. And so what we're going to do is we're going to find out that it's not as simple. Right. So... Allison, question 71 in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is required, the seventh commandment? The seventh commandment requires the preservation of our own and our neighbor's chastity in heart, speech, and behavior. Well, there you go. We're done now. We're done. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Our own and our neighbor's chastity in heart, speech, and behavior. So chastity simply means... um, 
only having sex in its proper context. Yep. Right. So, um, so I am a married man and that means I, and I can be chased and still be having sex only. It's just that I have to have sex with my wife. In the confines of your In the confines of my marriage, that's still being chased. Yes. Right. So it's not celibate. Right. It's chastity. Yep. In, but it's not just in behavior. Right. It's also in our speech and, and in our heart. Yep. All right. So let's expand on this. And so we'll go to the larger catechism, question 138. What are the duties required in the seventh commandment according to the larger catechism? The duties required in the seventh commandment are the following. Chastity in body, mind, affections, words, and behavior. The preservation of chastity in ourselves and others. Watchfulness over our eyes and all the senses. Temperance and keeping of chaste company. Modest in apparel. Marriage by those who do not have the gift of abstinence with conjugal love and cohabitation, diligent labor in our callings, and shunning all occasions of uncleanness and resisting temptations to it. Okay. So, there's a lot here. There is. Chastity in our body, our mind, our affections, our words, and behavior. Uh, that's a tall order. So, to go to the origin, let's let's just talk about that for a second. Yeah. Um, so, so, sex is a is a gift from God. It's one of the appetites he's given to us, right? Along with our desire for food and drink, he's also given us the desire for, uh, for sex. Um, and it's, so it's a good gift. Yes. It's just that through sin, we've perverted it. Perverted it. So God made Adam and Eve. Um, and that is, uh, and then they, the two, Adam and Eve, become one flesh. Uh, and the idea here is this, God, um, both made in God's image, male and female, he makes them. And then you have, and, and Eve came from Adam and then the two of them become one flesh again. And they being in the image of the Trinity, right. Of, mm-hmm. the, of God who is triune, um, God is perfect in love. And so what does God do? Well, he creates things other than himself to love Yes, because <laughs> he's love. Right. So Adam and Eve get together and create others they love. Yep. So this is this is how God intended it. So sex is for marriage and it's primary primary cause. The primary thing that it's meant to do is to produce children. Mm-hmm. Now, there are secondary things that, that sex does, uh, intimacy and pleasure. Yep. So childbearing intimacy and pleasure. All those things are good within the confines of that marriage. Mm -hmm. What happens is our sinful nature because of the fall has twisted it so that we are seeking to pursue pleasure. Correct. And not necessarily intimacy or, or childbearing. Right. In fact, as soon as the pill comes along, um, it's treated as if sex is treated as if uh, having a child is some mistake. Right. It's a bad outcome. It's a bad, right. That's, that's weird. Right. But if you, if you grow up in the world, you're not a Christian, um, and you have birth control, it would seem like, why wouldn't you? Correct. Right. Why, why wouldn't you? Well, it's not the way God made it and all sorts of 
problems come about when you're becoming intimate with people who are not your spouse. Correct. It it is is it, it's a it's a horrible outcome. Yes. In in fact, the the more you do that, the less chance you will to be able to be married and to have a successful marriage. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to my audience, stop it. Just stop it. There you go. All right, we're done. Oh. I've heard it say said that uh, like fornication ruins your committer, like your ability to commit. Yeah. To, up to to one person. Right. Yeah. Very true. Very true. And then, um, and then because we love, we love our sin, we will pursue it. And we might be afraid to pursue it in the behavior, but we'll certainly do it in our heart. Mm. Right. Um, and, and, uh, you know, we have pornography is rampant in our world. Um, Satan knows that this is like the easiest low-hanging fruit possible. Mm. Just get those little machines in front of kids' hands and and he'll make sure they see all sorts of images uh, to really wreck their lives. Yeah. That's <laughs> just, yep. you know, I, I've shared, I'm not sure on this program, or uh, uh, but I know I share this openly about um, my own experience. Like when I was young, I was fifth grade. Um, going to spend the night at a friend's house and we snuck in, grabbed dad, his dad's, uh, penthouse magazines, these pornographic magazines. Yeah. And those, those images just seared themselves on my mind yep. and Satan used those very images, um, all the way into young adulthood to try to dissuade me from pursuing God, um, from persuade me to not to f- pursue ministry. Um, it, it is, a uh, uh, Satan is crafty. Yeah. And uh, this is, sex is a very, very powerful thing. And and if he could get people to fall sexually, man, it's a hard, a hard slog out. Yep. It only by the grace of God. Yep. Only by the grace of God. So it, in, uh, it's not, and so our, our bodies, our minds, our affections, our words, our behavior, all these things we need to be careful with. Yep. So even coarse joking. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if women do that. Not as much, probably. Probably not as much as guys. And yeah. and, and it really depends on where you were at. Like, uh, you know, when you're younger, it seemed to be omnipresent. Right. Yeah. If you're at the, you know, at the auto mechanic, depending on the auto mechanic. Not my auto mechanic, by the way. Christian's over there. Um, all the auto on Velp there. Just so you want a good place, go there. Um, but I've heard in other places, like you just hear the guys out there telling dirty jokes or yeah. have you could it's just on their mind that's what's in their heart yeah and it comes out in these things and and that affects how people behave i remember as a young man thinking um you know teenager and into the college by all the images that you see by all the coarse joking and all the references and you know the talk you can get the impression that you are the only person on the planet not having sex with other people. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, what's wrong with me? Right. And then, and then once you're there, then it's the next step is there becomes opportunity. Yep. And you're going to be less likely to be strong. Uh-huh. And so it's, it's important that we teach our children 
that first of all, we ourselves don't participate in those things. Yeah, that we are chased people. And then we we don't um, we we talk to our children about this. Yeah. To to to, to stay um, stay chaste mm-hmm. until marriage. Um. So what are the what are the duties? All right, do we already go that? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. The duties. So some of the ones that become really interesting here that we need to understand is if if marriage is the is the only place between a man and a woman in which sexual activity shall happen. Um, we can't pretend that we're married. Cohabitation is like not good. Yep. Um, I think I think statistics bear that out. If you want to get a divorce sometime, just cohabitate before marriage. The the percentage of divorces that happen because you live together first, it just it's exponential. Mm. Don't do it. That's so interesting because it's the opposite of what people say. Yeah. Like we should we felt like we should make sure it was gonna work before yeah, we admit to it. Yeah. Should, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting because we know that when couples cohabitate because they're trying it out, a lot of those couples don't make it to marriage. Mm-hmm. But the ones that do, the ones that think this is going to work out, those are the people that get married. And those are the ones that get divorced at a much, much, much higher rate than those who have never, didn't ever live together. Interesting. Yeah. So. I, but I guess if that's your idea, that's uh, we're going to try this out. If it doesn't work, we're just not going to tr- do it. Right. That's the same kind of person that goes, well, I don't like this. This isn't let's working. Just get, let's just get divorced. Right. Yeah. So don't do it. Don't do it. And you might be thinking, my audience, there might be some who are thinking, well, what's the big deal with divorce? Well, that's sin. And it's going to wreck your life. Yeah. Can you get over a divorce and have, you know, is there grace? Is there, yeah, it can be. But we would be... We would sound like fools if we didn't admit and understand that divorce is probably the most tragic thing that could, will happen in your life. Mm. And there are a lot of people who are divorced, mm. and I'm I'm guaranteeing that most of the, a lot of the people in our audience has have have been divorced, mm-hmm. and so they should know what we're talking about. Yeah. And it, and if they're not sure, just ask their kids. I read a study one time that talked about the effects of divorce on children. It's bad. And it's the same whether that child is nine or 19. In other words, you can have adult children and you get divorced. And some of the effects of that divorce will be the same on your adult child. Then, right? So it's it's better, I guess, that you waited, you know, for the kids, stay together for the kids. But just know there's still going to be... Um, they still benefit from you being married when you're they still in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh it is it is not not good. Um modesty also is one of those things. Yep. Like we should acknowledge the fact that the way you dress can entice people. Um, you know, I my wife's always telling me, Ron, you need to you need to have a little more clothing on. So that I'm not uh, enticing other people. <laughs> Wait, you're laughing, Allison. Well, <laughs> really what I'm thinking, Ron, is that there are components of this that are, I mean, they're for both men and women, all of the things, right? Yes. But there are certain components that are maybe 
uh, honing in on a female's um, priorities around this and then the male's priorities, just based on sort of what seem to be more inherent weaknesses of females and males. Correct. Men are weak. Well, and so are women, just in different ways. In different ways. Yeah. 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 It, men are very visual. Yep. And and um, I would say that most of the gals who do not dress modestly know that. Yes. And women are, may, maybe the uh, weakness of a women would be that they're insecure and desiring of yeah. being loved. Yeah. You know? Yes. And which makes um, certain men just scoundrels because they, they feed off of that behavior, yeah. that, that insecurity, the yeah. advantage of it. Yeah. And, it, and it's horrible. Um, yeah, we, we talked about, um, I, I've seen uh, shows um, and um, I don't know how to call them. People I trust who, in video series that talk about these things. And uh, in, a, in a particular population um, where it seems like everyone is having this casual sex, mm. um, it'll be typically quite a few women are sleeping with very few men. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, there's there's the, uh, the predatory men. Yeah. Are, and I'm going to use that word. I'm not going to call alpha men or whatever. No, they're alpha men who are just great people. I'm talking about predatory men. A handful of those predatory men will end up sleeping with a ton of women. Yep. And the image is that everyone's out there having sex. No, it's there's predatory men. Taking advantage. Taking advantage of insecure women because we have Tinder and other kind of dating apps. And they're just, it's just. Yeah. And it's horrible. It's gross. It's horrible. It is, um, it's not been a good protection of women. I know. You know. This is this is um, kind of a tangential comment, Ron. But I feel like I know it's a big shock. I feel like in most sins, women and children end up being the primary victims. Yes, and this is just one example. Yes, and and this is and and I I po I point this out um, in. My, my Bible classes, seventh grade Bible class, we go through Genesis. Yeah. When it talks about the earth being filled with violence, that word violence has this idea of this overturning of God's created order. Mm -hmm. There are three primary things that the scriptures talk about in terms of violence. Those three primary violences are these. The rich taking advantage of the poor rather than um, providing for them. Yeah, caring for them. The strong oppressing the weak or taking advantage of the weak rather than the strong protecting the weak. And the third one, and this is a big one, is men taking advantage of women mm -hmm. rather than protecting them. Mm -hmm. Right? So the God-given role of a man as a protector is supposed to be seen in society, not just in a, just in a marriage but a society yes. that men are supposed to be prote protectors of women. But when men become the, the um, predators mm -hmm. and not the protectors, that's where society is going to fall apart. Right. This is, this has been the problem with uh, modern feminism. Yes. 
there's there's not a problem with you know the the ability for a woman to be able to make a living yeah. or equal to vote or 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 you know equal pay for equal work yeah right that not that's not a, the the problem becomes when there's a there's like well I'm a uh, we're equal so I don't need protection right that that there's somehow let's just have this playing field where I can anonymously go you know like on Tinder to be able to date and not have to have anyone else involved in this these decisions or I I don't know how to explain that but that sounds if you know if you're you're in your mid twenties or thirties or something, and I'm saying that that sounds very patronizing, I apologize. But the the fact is is that um, there are predatory men out there who do all sorts of horrible things, right? Um, intentionally, um, and um, it's it's not helping women out at all. No, and and even to point those things out, then you know you you get accused of sexism or right what have you. Stupid. Yeah, it's it is stupid, and it and it's not good. The whole, this whole, the world right this moment. Uh, you would say, uh, women probably have the greatest amount of equality mm-hmm. in our that the world has ever seen. Yes. men, and probably the greatest levels of uh, unhappiness. Right. Um, and it's, and that's, that's what's sad, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, uh, the, there's a whole series of, of videos now of, of, of women now talk, young women talking about, um, the promise of postmodern feminism and how she's, mm. right? yeah. you know, that they get, um, they're getting everything they want. They're they're told that somehow that men are going to be more concerned. You know, you you, you want to go as equals, and so you're bringing some to the table so that women are going to. They want a large income or a, a good career, and men don't care about that mm. at all. Every, men kind of expect they're going to provide and take care of, and if you know, and if if they have a career or not, it, it's that's not a that's not a. A consideration. It's yeah. it's not like oh, oh, she's successful. I'm going to go for her. Yes, right. at at all. Men aren't thinking about. Men aren't thinking about that. Men are thinking: are they are they kind? Mm. Would they be a good mother? Seriously, yeah. That's what men are thinking. Um, and so these women who are becoming quite successful, um, but they've been sexually active, and and that and men don't want to have anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. And now they're in their forties right. going, my biological clock is ticking down and I'm lonely. Exactly. And it's just, it's just, uh, it's just. They've been sold a story. And they, they kind of come to this thing or they, they try to overtly, you know, with their bottles of wine and going, Oh, I'm so happy because I'm single. Okay. Maybe you, but statistically that's your anomaly. Right. Um, so, so we haven't, our society has been set up in a way that's, it's, it's not good. Pornography is a, a just a horrible, horrible, horrible thing um, that men get addicted to. It says, it sets up horrible expectations that men have for women. Mm. Again, uh, women are the victims. Again, women are the victims of pornography. Yep. Uh, it's men's sin, but the victims become women. Yep. Um, and it's just, 
it's just gross. And, and we know this, like, Hey, get, get addicted to pornography and here's what you can look forward to in your life, right? Yeah. Just again, statistically, you're going to be more apt to not have a happy marriage. You're more apt to end up in prison. More apt to, I mean, literally all these horrible things yep. from, from doing it. And we all know it and we don't do anything about it. Yeah. Our society, I'm talking about society. As a church, we need to do something. Yeah. Um, so let, let's, let's talk about this. Question 72. Mm-hmm. What is forbidden in the seventh commandment? The seventh commandment forbids all unchaste thoughts, words, and actions. Yeah, there you go again. Sums it up. Sums it up. Uh, let, let's expand it a little bit because yep. then it's going to get make you all feel guiltier or convicted and in need of the grace of yeah. our Savior. Yep. Uh, question 139 from the larger catechism, what are the sins forbidden in the seventh commandment? The sins forbidden in the seventh commandment besides the neglect of the duties required are the following. Adultery, fornication, rape, incest, sodomy, and all unnatural lust. Let's stop there for just a second. Yep. So one is is um, the sins forbidden in that one is the neglect of all the duties required. And I wanted to say then that conjugal activity in marriage is a duty. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so married couples ought to be having sex. Mm-hmm. By not having sex, it weakens the marriage, marriage and it makes people more prone to other sin. Yep. Other temptation. Other, other temptations. Yep. Um, this is, this is one of those, uh, weird ones. Um, we, uh, the Bible describes it as the fact that when you're married, um, uh, my body doesn't belong to me. It belongs to my wife. Mm-hmm. My wife's body doesn't belong to her. It belongs to, to me. Right. There's this. And so, um, the, the only prohibition to refrain from sexual activity the Bible prescribes is if you decide to to abstain for the sake of prayer. Yep. So there's a duty, a conjugal duty, right? To one another. To another. So I, it's it's interesting as a pastor, an elder, and you talk to to people, and uh, and how sex can become weaponized. Mm. That's evil. Yep. Right. You you can't just go well. I don't like the way you're treating me, so I'm just going to withhold sex. Or, you you know, I would like you to help out more with the chores. I'm going to withhold sex. That's like um, wrong. Yeah. It's it's wrong. It's manipulative. It's It goes against scripture. It's unbiblical. It's unbiblical. It's sinful. It's it's horrible. Um, you know, there's, there's a, there is a, um, uh, it, it, women, often need, I say often, that sounds horrible. They often need it. Uh, but romance and things like that. Right. So there's, there's, there is a, there is within a marriage and this is something that you as spouses should talk about. Um, there are times if, if a man has to wait for the right time, you know, uh, can't be thinking about other things. There's been opportunity to take out, you know, a date or, you know, dinner and, you know, da, 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 da. Uh, in the normal course of your life, that means you're, you're once your kids are involved in sports, you're never going to have sex again. It's true. Makes it a little bit trickier to find time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so what, 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 you, 
what needs to happen then is, is that as a couple, you just got to talk about it. Like it is, it is okay just to have sex without any of that. Right. Not saying that's the only time we're forever. Or put it on the calendar. Put it on the calendar. Cool. Right. And, and this is, this can become a healthy thing then for a couple mm-hmm. is that there's regular sexual activity. It, it becomes help, healthy um, that sometimes, you know what, it's just okay to go, here you go. And then, uh, but for men, you got to be able to say, I got it. Right. Take my, my bride out. I got to. Yeah. This reciprocal. It's got to be. Caring for one another. Yes. Yes. But when it's only one or the other, that's not good. Right. If it's never and only this other thing, then that's not good either. Yes. It, it's got to come up. So this is an, a, a duty. Um, but then it goes on and it talks about these other things. And I, I just want to bring up a, f- a few things. And this is from some research I did probably, I think it was about six or seven years ago. Um, the... Uh, there was some um, paper that I had read, and I and I'm hoping to find it again because I've actually looked for it again. But it was it was commenting how uh, the the societal's uh, societal's acceptance of homosexual marriage mm-hmm. that there was a steady increase of heterosexual anal sex in pornography. In other, wa- in other words, the porn industry was normalizing sodomy yeah. within marriage. Right. As a means of sort of normalizing sodomy. As normalizing status at large. Yeah. And when a yep. percentage of, of the population began to think of sodomy as being okay in a heterosexual marriage. Exactly. It became. You can translate it to. Yes. Any other relationship. But sodomy is specifically outlawed yes. in scripture. It's it's um it is not good. Yes, it's it's not how our bodies were made. Correct. We'll just put it that way. Um, for for our younger listeners. But um, but these unnatural lusts, as they become normalized, then they just happen more and more, and it just keeps us on a slide down to. Uh, worse and worse things. Yeah. All right, keep going. Okay, all unclean imaginations, thoughts, purposes, and desires, all corrupt or filthy communications or listening to them, wanton looks, imprudent or seductive behavior, immodest apparel, prohibiting lawful marriages and allowing unlawful marriages, allowing, tolerating, or running places of prostitution or resorting to them, entangling vows of singleness, undue delay of marriage. Let's stop there for just a second. Okay, most of these we get, right? Corruptions, uh, wanton looks, imprudent or seductive behavior, immodest apparel, right? All these things, it's, it's, it's bad. But then there's this series of things, prohibiting lawful marriages and allowing unlawful marriages. Yep. Right? So an unlawful marriage is um, a marriage between uh, more than one person. Mm-hmm. 
an unlawful marriage would be marrying a close relative, mm-hmm. uh, marrying, you know, a, a you know, a, 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 a boy marrying their stepmom. You know, there's, yeah. there's all sorts of things that the Bible delineates, you know, this is, this is crazy, but it's been, it's happened. Right. And the Bible prohibits those things. Yep. But then, then there's this also prohibiting lawful marriages. Here's a young couple. They want to get married. They're not unequally yoked. And then we're prohibiting it. Right. Why? Because, you know, the, 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 the parents think they should go to graduate school first. They. Yeah. Right. Or. Yep. They, well, they don't have enough, you know, you don't have enough money. Well, according to who, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a lawful marriage. Why wouldn't you? Why would you get in the way? Why would you get in the way? Yep. Right. Um, and, th- and this is this is uh, this is the idea of prohibiting an unlawful marriage. It's not like when you you can advise against a marriage because you think that there's issues. Mm-hmm. That's that's a different thing. Yes. Okay. Um, then there's the uh, the um, uh, prostitution, we could all get behind, uh, but entangling vows of singleness. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. It was a little bit of a surprise, honestly. Yeah. And I think this is going back to nunneries. Uh-huh. Right? Yep. So the idea was, um, you know, you, 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 you get single people to take vows of celibacy, not chastity, but celibacy. Yes. And um, they're, they're never going to get married. Right. As for religious reasons or something like, Uh well, that's, there's nothing in scripture that would say that's a good thing. Right. Right. So it is, it's good to say to vow, I'm going to remain chaste Mm -hmm. until marriage. And even within marriage. And even within marriage. Yeah. But to say, I'm, I am purposefully not going to get married and make some sort of vow yeah. In that regard, uh, that's sinful. Right. That's, that's not, I mean, part of the Protestant Reformation was, yes. was all these, all these women who, some of them were placed in there as girls and now they're stuck in there, this life of, of, uh, of being a nun. They were entangled. They were entangled by vows. Yes. Good language there. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, and then undue delay of marriage. I think this was a huge one in our society right now. Mm-hmm. The average age of a first marriage is 30. This is, um, this isn't great. Right. right. Part, part of it, I think has to do with our society has not allowed, um, Senator Josh Hawley and I, and our, we talked a little bit about this yeah. in a previous podcast, but you know, God didn't make us to wait until we're 30 years old to have sex. Right. It's a long time to remain chaste. Yes. Before marriage. Before marriage. Yeah. And, um, you know, from a, just from a, uh, elder in our church, uh, perspective, Mm -hmm. right. If a young man believed that they can, after graduating high school, can, produce an income that could support a family in a short amount of time, you know, four years, mm-hmm. right? Um, they'll wait. They can do that. They got something to work forward to, even if they don't know anyone yet. Yeah. Right. So when I graduated high school in 1985, 
that was the set that I just assumed I was going to go to college and then I was going to get a job and get married. Mm -hmm. Like that's just a no brainer. So, you know, when, when am I planning to get married? I don't know, somewhere, you know, 22, 23, somewhere in there, 24, 25, you know, maybe yeah. somewhere in there. My friends that got, when you got married at 25, it seemed like late. Right. Right. Yeah. Now the average is 30. Right. So the myth is, is that kids will go off to college and they'll hear, hear some sort of atheistic argument and then uh, stop believing in God. That that's, I just want to tell my audience that that really doesn't happen. Rarely happens. It rarely happens. Yeah. You, typically what happens is uh, your son or daughter ends up having sex with their boyfriend or girlfriend and they'll love their sin more. Then the argument becomes the excuse. Right. The out. Yeah. The out. And it's, it's usually sex that gets in the way. And, and from, again, from a young man's perspective, I don't, and I would assume this happens within the, within the, the, the women too, is, is if you have a hope that you can work towards, um, you can do the tough thing. Mm -hmm. You can tough it out a few more years. Yep. You're 18 years old and you think you're not going to get married till you're 30. It's a long time. That's, that's your, that's just. Unrealistic. It's unrealistic. Yeah, there's going to be sexual sin right and left. I mean, it's just, it's just. Uh, yep. The other part I, I, I would say is this. Biblically speaking, men are to, are going to find their identity apart from their family. They be, quote, become their own man, right? Mm -hmm. That's how God made us. They're to, men are supposed to leave and cleave, right? So they leave mother and father. They they start their own household, and uh, developmentally, that's that's how it how it happens. Uh, women are uh, typically find their identity with, right, and you know the all the ancient fairy fairy tales. Right, think of Snow White or Cinderella or uh, Rumpers Rumpelstiltskin. All these. Yep. And and you have this period, this pause, right? So the the princess all of a sudden is asleep, or, or up in the tower, yeah. or what have you. And and the idea is, um, the experience of a of a of a woman, especially in those times, where like they they become of marrying age, but they don't have anyone to marry, and there's it's it feels like life is on pause. Yep. And I know it still feels like that. I talked to my daughter a little, a little bit about that. I, talk to others yeah and there's that feeling like there's a like how do you how are you going to become who you are apart from your husband mm -hmm. if you don't know yet right right yeah um you see this in girls who, who end up with boyfriends in high school they go from one to another right yeah all of a sudden they're they're huge brewer fans even though they've never watched a baseball game in their life. Why? Because that's what their boyfriend likes is they like the brewers. They're going to start orient their life around this other, yeah, this guy, right? Yeah. So one of the things that we're seeing in our society is this vast number of young ladies who are identifying as bisexual, mm. like huge numbers, like statistically. Improbable numbers. Improbable numbers. Yeah. But I think there's a point which they're not they're not waiting till they're 30 to figure out who they are. Mm. And so the temptation to, to become 
to find identity with other. Interesting. So almost like viewing that waiting as like, maybe this isn't a pause while I'm waiting for a man. Maybe that means I'm yes. not a female yeah. inside. Interesting. I remember that season of life. It's kind of an unsettling season, especially if you're um, pursuing education and things like that. It becomes a little unsettling, like who am I and what am I going to be doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also unsettling when there's a bunch of eligible guys who are doing nothing. Right. (laughs) Right. And uh, I just, I just remembered thinking about, uh, you know, here you have these young ladies who would just be, they're just like, where are the guys? Yeah. And, oh, they're playing video games. Playing video games. They're not in any hurry. They're living in their mom's basement. Yeah. <laughs> they're not in any hurry. And it's like, come on guys, step it up. We need you to step it up. So, so this delay, this undue delay is causing all sorts of problems. Not just, not just the sex outside of marriage, not just the, all the, um, you know, uh, babies born out of wedlock, which is a huge problem in our society, but, but it, it is, um, it, there becomes crisis of faith as they get into, um, sexual sin yeah, and, and pursuing that sin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's just not good. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Um, having more wives or husbands than one at the same time. Unjust divorce or desertion, idleness, gluttony, drunkenness, and unchaste company, lewd songs, books, pictures, dances, or stage plays, and all other provocations to uncleanness or acts of uncleanness either in ourselves or others. Yes. I remembered um, I loved to dance, to go dancing mm-hmm. in high school. And uh, my friends and I had a group of friends, and we'd find dances all the time. Like, so if our high school didn't have a dance, we'd sneak into another high school's dance and hope that we don't get kicked out. That usually went well until we're causing a scene or something. And then they'll come over and kick us out, which has happened. Um, dad, if you're hearing this, sorry. Um, or, you know, the VFW would have a dance or, you know, whatever. And we just go, and we, it was fun. And we, we'd had a, a group of friends who are girls who, Often we'd call them up, they'd all show up and we'd all, we'd have, so we'd have dance partners. Yeah, right? that's fun. And it was just always fun, always fun. So I remember going off to college in LA and um, decided to go to, what's it called? The, the LA, um, the Palladium or something like that. So I'm in Los Angeles, California, and it's like, hey, let's go dancing. So I get a group of friends together, we go dancing. And guess what, Allison? It was not chaste dancing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so growing up in a smaller area of Northern yeah, California, huge. those high school dances, VFW, I mean, that was fun. Those are like and then, good, clean fun. And then you go to Los Angeles and, and, um, it was a bit, you know, the, the scantily clothed women in the cages were, a, uh, should have been a clue. It's yeah. Probably not, be the place to be. Probably not the place to be. Um, and this is one of the things, and we've talked about Palatine Institute, like providing, like dances are a great place. They're fun. And uh, to be able to have yeah. um, uh, people, a great place for people of the opposite sex to be able to meet and have fun without pressure. And, yeah. right? 
And and so I'm working on that still. I know. If you play an instrument and know of a group that plays for dances, contact us. Yeah. Yeah. Contra dancing, things like that would be awesome. Anyway, because young people need such activities. Um, But it's 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 good. But I also want to point out this idleness, gluttony, drunkenness and, uh, and unchaste company. Boy, these are these are the. The, uh, if my dad's one thing that he'd always harp on me about is this is how to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Idleness is the devil's workshop, yep. right? If, if you don't have something productive to do, you're going to end up doing something stupid. Yep. It, um, gluttony and drunkenness, you know, just, uh, gluttony is not necessarily overeating. Gluttony is the idea of uh, the pursuit of of uh, appetite. Yeah, in excess. In excess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in circumstances and groups of people that are idle, they have none better to do, and they're pursuing passions uh, and you know drinking in particular, it's going to lead yep. to to bad things, particularly unchaste mm-hmm. activities. Yep. Right. Whether it's joking, whether it's you know, whatever it, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, the, the, my dad would talk about like one, nothing good ever. Like I got to be home at a certain time in high school. Nothing good ever happens after. And he's, he's right. Yeah. He's right. I, the, the, you only have idleness and unchaste company and, and after a certain, after a certain time, it's, yeah. you know, go get some beer and, you know, oh, bad things are going to happen. Yeah. Always. Can I ask you a question about this? Yes. This is related to question 138's answer. One of the things that is stated as a required duty in the seventh commandment is diligent labor in our callings. Yes. Is that the positive of this negative? Yes. Yeah. Diligent labors in our calling. If you're not diligently doing the things that God has assigned, God has assigned to you, you're going to have room for all this other right. stuff. So, so it's one of those um, weird things in our culture is how much idleness young people have. And not even young people, like people my age have a lot of free time. Yeah, it's crazy. And it is crazy. And, but sometimes I don't know, I wonder, you know, what am I doing wrong? And then I think, well, maybe I'm doing something right. I got, yeah. I'm just busy doing a lot of things yeah. that are good, yeah. you know? Um, anyway. Well, thank you. Think about this. When you're actively doing the things that you know God requires of you, do, do you have a lot of time? No. For anger, for hatred, for lustful thoughts, for discontentment, or just even for idleness. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. You need, you need idleness is, is, is bad. And what we end up doing is filling our idleness with, things that aren't productive or good. Correct. It's not leisure. Correct. It's idleness. Yes. So, so this might be a, a, a good thing to end on is that there is a difference between leisure and idleness. Mm-hmm. So idleness means you're not doing anything either productive or contemplative. Yeah. There's no meaning. You're just, you're just existing and trying to figure out a way to then um, what you end up doing is not fulfilling your higher callings, like 
like contemplation of the good, the true, the beautiful. Yes. Instead, what you're doing is you're seeking to fulfill your appetite, appetites. Correct. Um, being distracted, being. Yeah. Right. So uh, leisure would be uh, picking up your Bible or picking up a book and reading. Yeah, reading Shakespeare in the summer. That's Imagine right. That. Imagine that as you like it. Um, or, you know, something to that effect. Or Even visiting or, with a good friend or, 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 or not. painting or drawing or some sort of um, art. Yeah. You know, some, some meaningful sort of, use of time. Meaningful use of time. Yeah. Um, writing a letter, doing, you know, mm -hmm. things that are good. Um, idleness tends to fill the appetites. Right. What what's going to make me feel pleasured? Right. And and that that ends up in bad things. In bad things. Yep. So part of that is I think one is, is is producing habits that are not um idle but leisure. Mm -hmm. Right? That's that's one thing. And and another is just uh, this idea of teaching people what they ought to do, what they can do and ought to do with, with quote, free time. Yes. This is a large component of my parenting, actually. It is. Especially in the summer. Like, I probably have this conversation with my kids every single day. Yeah. So, parents, this is, this is if you don't want adulterous children, okay, it's, so let me say that again. If you don't want adulterous children, do not feed their idleness. In other words, by distracting your children with entertainment, constant entertainment, you're you're helping them to become adulterers. Mm -hmm. Just right. teaching them that life is for your feeding their own yeah. pleasure and yeah. appetites, appetites, satisfying yeah. those things. Yeah, which which come in and you know whatever video games or movies or whatever you're you're giving, um, teach them how to be creative, teach them how to solve problems, teach them. How to, you know, even read a book. Yep. To suffer through boredom. Right. And to do work and to delight in a job well done. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So th this is, this has become a, and, and we're suffering our, you know, in the year of our Lord, 2023 in the United States of America, we are suffering from the amount of idleness that we've been able to have because of our prosperity. Yeah. And, and that's not good. Right. Leisure is good. Idleness bad. Yep. All right. Good conversation, man. Thanks for listening. 